Hello and welcome to today's show. Just a little trigger warning, we will be talking about the engagement that the Countess of Wessex had this week with BBC Five Live. It actually talks about rape and sexual violence as weapons of war in conflict around the world. And just as a listener discretion, I will be putting a trigger warning during the episode. It's a bit further in the episode, um, just so you can fast forward it if you want to, if that's not something you'd like to listen to. Thank you so much for being here and let's get on with the show. grand fanfare welcome to our podcast keeping up with the windsors dedicated to the royal family each episode will be crowned to the rafters with opinions news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of windsor with your hosts and royal fangirls rachel andrews and michelle thole so grab yourself a cuppa straighten up your tiara shine your knighthood round up your corgis and let's let's keep up with with the the windsors Hi and welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm Rachel and I'm Michelle. How are you today Michelle? I'm okay I'm doing good thank you. It's been glorious weather all week which I've been so happy about. Yeah it's been um, really hot and now we're getting a bit of a reprieve aren't we? It's um, got a bit cooler over the last few days. Yeah and last night for me it was just complete torrential rain so welcome to Britain as they say. <laughs> And so this week, we're not going to do a royal roundup because we felt like the news that we've had over the last few days all deserve to be in the royal news. So we're going to crack straight on with it, aren't we? Yeah, let's do it. There's so much to to cover. So we thought we'd just dive right in. So let's get going. We'll start off with the G7 summit. Yeah, so this was attended by Prince Charles, the Duchess of Cornwall, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and the Queen. Um, And there were several events that took place. Prince Charles hosted a meeting to discuss sustainable investment and the steps needed to ensure business works for the environment and not against it, which I think the whole point of this summit is you know, how to tackle climate change and how to help other countries with this issue um, that maybe don't have the resources that um, bigger countries have. Okay, so for listeners who are not quite sure what the G7 is, it's an intergovernmental political forum and it actually includes countries Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom and the United States. So all of these countries work together on some of the big questions or um what's the word issues that are facing the world yeah so one of those is what you were saying about prince charles right yeah so um him and prince william have both set up initiatives to help the environment and to tackle climate change and since 2020 charles has set up the sustainable markets initiative which has hosted over 50 roundtable meetings with ceos and experts to focus on collaboration and actions around the world um, to help with global warming and climate change and obviously william has set up the Earthshock price to help repair the planet yeah this is a brilliant example of using your power and your influence in a positive way yeah so i think the Earthshot prize i think there is actually a prize it's a monetary value yeah and you know what's great about this is you could have been anyone that entered this um Earthshot prize you just had to come up with an idea of how to help the planet yeah and it, it was open worldwide as well wasn't it it's not just for the UK yeah so um and that's being given out every year isn't it if I remember right yes yeah so 
with the G7 then, with all these political forces joining together, it hasn't been hosted in the UK for a couple of years, actually. So they were in Cornwall and the Queen and all, well, actually all the, the senior royals were in Cornwall as well. And the Queen was there and it was just wonderful to see the Queen with all these heads of state, which obviously, um, you know, prime ministers and presidents, they're super important people. And then you've got the Queen. Yeah. It is, it is a bit different I think they were all a bit starstruck when they met I'm sure they've met her before in different ways as well yeah I really felt that they were captivated by her because there was this shot when she was standing there she was talking and they was all gathered around her yeah and it's like even now she can walk into an event with the most powerful leaders in the world and still command attention that's what I got from that absolutely and she really when you look at her and the life that she has led she outranks them in terms of experience, duty, service, and support for the country. So it was it was great to see her. And I also thought to myself, this woman is walking history. She's walking history. She has seen things that none of these people would have seen before. Mm-hmm. You can only read about because obviously you weren't alive at the time or too young to remember. So yeah, it was just great to see her in that environment. And yeah, she can hold her own, can't she? One of my favorite bits actually from the G7 was when they were all having their photo call. And she said, she can't, she broke the ice and she was like, aren't we all supposed to be having fun? <laughs> you know, because they were all very serious taking this photo. And then they just all cracked up laughing. Yeah. And that's what she is. She's, she's just an amazing, she's the glue that holds everybody together, isn't she? She's the icebreaker. She is. And she's so diplomatic. And and we see throughout the whole of her engagements this week, which has been wonderful to see her for the whole week, just the diplomacy. She's there as a diplomat. She's there to build bridges and fill in the cracks and just create friendships between countries. Yeah. While Charles and William were hosting the world leaders, there was a um, joint engagement with Camilla, Catherine and the Queen for the big lunch. I absolutely loved this because there was this great moment where they were going to cut the cake and the queen got a sword and it was a rather weird looking sword. And um, what I loved about it was that um, someone said, oh, there is a knife available. And if you've seen the video, she says, I know there is. This is something more unusual (laughs) because the amount of times she's probably cut a cake, planted a tree, you know, done things like that over the years. <laughs> Trivoli! Trivoli! <laughs> um, it's just, you know, what what could she get? Like, let's get her, give her a machete next time. Like, come on. Exactly. Let's get her an axe. Let's see how she goes with an axe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then I loved it because she couldn't quite cut the cake and then Camilla <laughs> had to step in and help her. But I tell you what it was, Rach. It was a type of cake that had that sticky icing stuff. So even yeah. if you had like the sharpest knife, it still would need some effort in order to move through it so I did really <laughs> feel for it <laughs> um what I loved about this it's an initiative run by volunteers it's wonderful to see the fab trio is what I'm calling them today the fab trio <laughs> um highlighting the big lunch as it takes up a pivotal role in getting everyone together Jill for the platinum jubilee celebrations yeah because that's what's going to be the big lunch and I know I've said on the podcast before I hate the word <laughs> lunch um but this isn't the first time we've seen the three of them together. We actually saw them for the very first time as a trio opening Fortum and Mason in Piccadilly. And that was March the 1st, 
2012. And I remember this day like it was yesterday because I was working a double shift, like a stone's throw away, and I couldn't get away to go and run and have a look. So I was absolutely <laughs> gutted on the day. Yeah, so it, it, it feels like a nice little, what is it, nine years later, seeing them yeah. together. It was brilliant. Yeah, because they opened the... Um... If you've ever been to Fortnum and Mason, it's the Diamond Jubilee um, tea, isn't it? And you it can is, go for yeah. afternoon tea there. Um, and that's what they was opening. And they, Fortnum and Mason is actually a greengrocer to the Queen and to Prince Charles. If ever you see the crown symbol on a building or on a product, say, for instance, Heinz tomato ketchup, it means that the Queen actually uses that product. Yeah, so you're completely right, Rach. And I know this because I went on that big red bus around London. Big red bus. There's loads of big red buses in London. (laughs) The open top bus as a tourist, um, as you go around London, it actually points out some of these royal warrant um, places, especially down Savile Row, because you've got lots of tailors down there that have the royal warrant. So it's food items. It's for like exemplary companies that the royal family use themselves. And they have the royal seal of approval that's kind of what it is the royal warrant yeah so that was the big lunch that was a lovely big lunch appearance with we've also had another um appearance with Catherine this week but who was she with Rach she was with Dr Jill Biden the first lady of the United States she sure was so yes they was at an engagement at Connor Downs Academy in Cornwall to discuss the importance of early childhood education And the first thing that I noticed was Kate looked amazing in Alexander McQueen fuchsia dress. And then Jill, for me, stole the show with these stunning Valentino slingbacks. And I was like, I want those shoes so bad. Then I had a look and they're over £600. (laughs) What is it with me and expensive taste? (laughs) You got it, girl. I got it. I got it. What was lovely about this engagement was Dr. Jill and Catherine were talking to some primary school children and they were so well behaved yeah. like on their best behavior I thought they were going to like put their fingers on their lips until they told like oh, it's okay you know you can talk yeah. to people now um and Dr. Jill brought carrots for the school rabbit which I loved and I mentioned on Instagram at keeping up with the Windsor's pods that I had tadpoles and fish what else we have? We had a hamster. Guinea pig? No, we didn't have a guinea pig. Um, but we had like a pond outside that we used to like watch the tadpoles grow into frogs and then release them mm. into the lake. We had loads of animals at, us, at our primary school, but Rach, you said you didn't have any. Yeah, didn't have any at all. That's boring, isn't no. it? Well, not not that I can remember, no. I, and also I wanted to know what the rabbit was called. <laughs> Probably something like Flopsy. <laughs> Thumper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't know whether you noticed this, Rach, but I'm going to say it right now because you know you were saying about the Valentino slingbacks. Mm. I didn't even notice them. Do you know why? <laughs> because all I could see was Dr. Jill's plaster on a on a leg. I was, and I wondered to myself, <laughs> what was like? What happened? What happened to a leg? You'll notice it now when you see it. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, I've, you must have been looking really close because I didn't see a pasta. Maybe I was too enamoured by the shoes. I think you were because I was like, hang on a second. What is that? Oh, it's a plaster. <laughs> and for all our American listeners, a plaster is a Band-Aid. Just, uh, just to let you guys know. But 
yeah so there's a plaster on her leg um and it also came up and i know we're going to talk about this in a second but when she met the queen the plaster was still there <laughs> it's plaster gate what's going on plaster gate absolutely yeah Rach, you're going on instagram now to see whether you can see that plaster <laughs> aren't you <laughs> um but in all seriousness to do with the work that um, Dr. Jill and Catherine are doing, um, they posted a photo on their Instagram and Twitter, which said there are few issues more worthy of our attention than the transformative power of early childhood care and education for our communities and nations. The at Floaters, which is the First Lady's handle, and I both look forward to championing this work in years to come. So it'll be interesting mm. to see what happens in future years to because obviously from what I'm getting from that is that they're going to be working together yeah in the years to come yeah uh, there was a little bit of an uproar about the journalist speaking to Catherine about Lilibet oh yeah yeah I saw this On, yeah and a, a lot of people had said that she'd handled that question very well especially because it was very left field from them talking about early years and a childhood development mm. so it, it completely came out of left field for her and she handled it very very well and I think um, it was very unfair I think for the journalist to ask her that question yeah. but I also think that I guess they're going to ask it because they want to know the information don't they yeah because it was kind of a bit like I think she said something along the lines of oh no we haven't met her yet but we hope to soon and yeah. then I think they said again, like, what, have you not had like a video call or something? She was like, no, no. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Um, but what I found interesting, I think it was obviously at the same time, was that Dr. Jill was asked by a journalist, have you asked for any tips of when you meet the Queen? And she kind of, she didn't snap back, but she had like a really good way. She was like, well, no, because have you not been seeing what we've been doing today? Mm. As if to say, no, we're here about the work. Like we're working, you know, like we're here for a reason. We're not just here to look pretty. <laughs> we're here to do a job. We're here to raise awareness. We're here to talk about an important subject. Good for Dr. Jill. That's what I say. Good on her. Amazing stuff. So on Saturday, we had Troop in the Colour, which was again this year scaled back compared to previous years obviously due to covid and it was at windsor castle again and not at buckingham palace where it usually is but there were still some amazing moments from this wasn't there yeah it was wonderful i loved it i didn't actually watch it live because i had work in the in the morning so i watched it on bbc iplayer afterwards and i was texting you throughout it when i was like oh look the, yeah. the, the red arrows just went over and blah 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 and you're like yeah i know i've seen it already <laughs> like yeah. <leave> me alone. <laughs> Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, and if you listen to this podcast and you're fans of the Royals, you probably do, but the Queen has two birthdays. Yeah. So she has her actual birthday in April when she was born, and then she has Troop in the Colour, which is a birthday parade um, in June. And this was um, goes back to King George V. His birthday was in December. And so he brought it forward the celebrations so that the weather would basically be better yeah and that's the reason why she has two birthdays yeah because her actual birthday is the 21st of april isn't it yeah yeah um but the birthday parade is a gift from the household division and which is the army's most prestigious regiments 
which has a close affinity with the monarch and is keen to show its loyalty to the crown. And this year, the event featured soldiers who supported communities and the NHS during the pandemic or served overseas on military operations. So I thought that was a nice touch because obviously it's quite an honour, I think, for a, a soldier to be asked to participate in Troop in the Colour because you're trooping your regiment's colour to your monarch who is your basically your general isn't it she is the leader she is the head of the army so yeah and it's a very proud moment when they um, march past the queen for her to do a little mm. head nod to us you know even just to acknowledge that you're part of her army and you know you you're doing a fabulous job yeah it, it doesn't get better than that does it no so the queen wore angela kelly coat dress and a hat which was a repeat of what she wore to the state opening of parliament. Cause you said to me, I recognize yeah. that. And I was like, yeah, she's worn it yeah. before. And she wore the Aqua Marine um, clip brooches, which were an 18th birthday present from her parents. Do you know, you love a scarf moment and a pocket handkerchief moment. Yeah. I love a brooch moment. You love a brooch. I love a brooch moment. <laughs> There's so many to choose from though, isn't there? It's a, uh, I would just, I would absolutely love like the, there must be a vault or something. Yeah, it's called the Tower of London. <laughs> <laughs> but but I would really love to see like her dress, like her dressing room must be immense. Yeah. Like I would just absolutely love to see it. The, what I really enjoyed about this is watching when they're moving around in like a square. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're all like in perfect time with each other. And they obviously it takes so long to plan that. Um, but they do it in such precision. It's amazing to watch. And another highlight for me was when the Red Arrows went past. Oh, I love this bit. Yeah. And it was great because I was watching it and they went past and the Queen literally, like, she was kind of like, she had quite a straight face the whole way through. And then that went past and she had this massive smile on her face. And I was by myself and I actually went, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, if she's happy, I'm happy. Yeah, all's well in the world. <laughs> she was tapping her feet at one point some of the music and I also realized the one of the music that they 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 played I think it was one of the Scottish regiments was the theme tune to Outlander and I was like oh I know this one (laughs) yeah (laughs) sing me a song (laughs) so uh, yeah I was singing along to that what was wonderful was to see the Duke of Kent there supporting the Queen yes Although I must admit, he did look on his a bit like decrepit, didn't he? Bless him. He's eighty-five. Yeah, but she's, she's 90. ninety. She's ninety-five, and she can she walks better than him. Like, yeah, but come on, she. I'm sure she got a nice ma- masseuse and uh, you know chiropractor <laughs> or whatever, hasn't she? <laughs> she's the queen. But the only the only thing I kept thinking was, can he actually see through that? Because he had one of the. Um, the hats on, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know what they're called. The, the bearskin the, um, uh, hats. The big furry yeah. hats. I was like, where's his, half of his face is covered? Like, can he actually see through that? That's probably why he was walking slow. And he was probably like, oh, can't see. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was also really hot. And mm. I also think that those military outfits do not lend to flexibility. No. So it could possibly be, he's like, I cannot walk in this yeah. thing. <laughs> you know um and also got up those stairs he's got a big sword doesn't he you don't want to poke that in your leg yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah I just loved seeing him support the queen on her official birthday Mm. yeah so that's troop in the color 
what I found interesting was learning about all of the different soldier stories that were being shown on BBC. Yeah. Um, and all the interviews on there. And that was really interesting. Plus, they, they were saying that they start practicing in March for this event. Yeah, I, I can imagine when you watch it, you can say like, wow, you know, that must have taken a lot of time to prepare for. Yeah. I think because it's so pared down as well, it was probably even bigger honor to be asked this time than in, you know, normal circumstances. So uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, Rach, but were you just that po- that horse is going to poo any minute? That horse is going to poo any minute. And all of a sudden, like, yep, yeah, there she goes. There she goes. There she blows. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I do it all the time. I don't know why. She I think it's the it. animal lover in me. I was like, that horse needs to poo. <laughs> so what have we got next, Michelle? Okay, so we've got President Biden. So on the Sunday, the Queen received President Biden and Dr. Jill Biden for afternoon tea at Windsor Castle. And as the head of state, the Queen regularly speaks to world leaders. And Biden is the 13th serving US president she has met. She has met 14 in total, but he is the 13th serving president she's met. Okay, so the Queen has met President Truman, Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, George W. Bush, the father. Senior. The senior, that's right. Bill Clinton, George Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and now Joseph Biden. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a lot, isn't it? (laughs) Again, it just goes to prove, like, I think that's why how she commands such um, admiration and respect throughout the world is because of how much she's seen and the people that she's met along the way. And again, how many people can say that? There, there was a fact being thrown out this week, and I'm sure it's true, that she is the only living person in existence that has met 14, we'll say 13 slash 14, prime ministers of the united states what a remarkable thing mm. and i'm sure she likes some more than others and you know and take away politics just yeah. them as people and what i got from this and um i don't know if, if you've heard of this michelle is obviously when you have an audience with the queen especially if you're a prime minister or a president you don't discuss or disclose what was said in that conversation because it's supposed to remain private. And I've never heard anyone apart from Biden tell the press what was discussed. Oh, really? Yeah. What did he say? I haven't heard this. Yeah. So the a journalist asked him um, what he thought of her and she, he said she was very gracious and she reminded me of my mother. He revealed that the Queen asked him about the leaders of Russia and China and she also asked what life in the White House was like and he said we could fit the White House into the courtyard in referring to Windsor Castle and asked if he had invited the Queen to the White House. He had said yes, which I don't think will happen because obviously she's 95. She doesn't really do overseas trips anymore. So I think if anything, it would be Charles and Camilla or Catherine and William that would do the trip to um, Washington to see the President and the First Lady. That's very interesting, isn't it? I've never heard that, especially Mm. with her asking about the Russian and Chinese government. That's very interesting. But again, exactly, that that sort of thing would never be disclosed. Ever. And yet he's he's disclosed it, which I just thought was a bit, everyone was a bit like, oh, you don't you don't talk about what you've spoken about. You know? Yeah. 
But then again, journalists are being journalists. I thought, okay, so there's a few things that come up for me with the president's visit. The first is, I think that the president should have taken off his sunglasses. Mm. I think it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I was always taught it's very rude to have your sunglasses on when you're talking to somebody, unless obviously you're outside and the sun's in your eyes, but they had shade underneath them. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. And I know he's got a trademark with his sunglasses. And also there was a bit of an uproar about the first lady not wearing a hat to meet the queen. And it didn't bother me at all because I thought she looked absolutely amazing. I thought she just knocked out of the park with everything that she wore. And she's such a gracious, intelligent woman. Just love her. Um, But what people actually said that she didn't wear a hat and that was disrespectful. So what do you think, Rach? Was it disrespectful that she didn't wear a hat to meet the queen? Because surely if you if you're inside, I can understand if you're outside, but if you're inside, it would be rude to have a hat on. Like again, it goes with the sunglasses thing. You you automatically take a hat off if you're going inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember being in um the Dorchester Hotel for afternoon tea. I've been there quite a few times for afternoon tea. It's so lovely. And my friend was wearing his hat indoor indoors and we were kind of like, Are you gonna take your hat off? He was like, no, why have I got to take my hat off? Because he didn't realise, like, that was the custom. And then somebody yeah. came over and was like, please, sir, will you take your hat off? He's like, oh, um, okay. <laughs> I thought these were making it up. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, it didn't bother me. I thought she looked amazing. And then they went for afternoon tea with the Queen inside Winter Castle. As you said, obviously, he's dic- disclosed some of the stuff they talked about. Um, but I also wondered what tea are they serving like come on what is tea with the queen like I think it's a traditional like an earl grey it's not going to be a Yorkshire tea is it (laughs) good old builder's tea we love it yeah (laughs) yeah I think it's just something really traditional um and maybe like a little cake or something maybe a few finger sandwiches just some yeah just a little something something (laughs) it wasn't as grand there wasn't any state dinner which usually happens, doesn't it, if, they, if she's hosting um, a world leader. Um, that didn't happen, I think, obviously, because of COVID and with everything with her grieving. Yeah. But I think that might that might happen sometime in the future. What do you think, Rach? Yeah, I think, obviously, if COVID wasn't here, they definitely would have had a state banquet because, again, when we've had visits from presidents before, they usually get memorabilia out or facts or artifacts that ties the UK to the US yeah and I remember seeing President Obama and Michelle Obama having a tour of Buckingham Palace and the Queen was showing uh, President Obama and the Duke of Edinburgh was showing Michelle Obama around and they were looking at certain things um so yeah I think it's just a nice way of tying in their histories isn't it but Hopefully in the next few years, we'll get another visit. I mean, I can't see it happening this year at all. Guess what, though? The Queen has been busy because not only did she receive the American president, she also received the Australian prime minister. Now, one thing I need to say is receive. I feel like I want to use this in my vocabulary now. You know, I want to (laughs) say Michelle received Rachel into (laughs) Michelle Chateau, (laughs) you know, Um, it's such a wonderful thing, isn't it? Received. <laughs> I love it. The Australian Prime Minister is Scott Morrison, and he's the 30th PM of Australia. He's been in office since 2018, and there's a video of this meeting, which is so 
funny. There was a lot of yeah. banter between the two of them. And even you kind of picked that up as well, didn't you, Rach? Yeah, yeah. And Definitely. so the, the door opened. The person who opened the door obviously is part of the Queen's staff. And the Queen said, oh, hello. And then the then the staff member said, uh, the Prime Minister of Australia, uh, you know. And I was like, she already knows who he is. Why? <laughs> and she's already said hello to him. It's not as if it's like, whoa, the Queen's like really scared. Like, you know, she's been startled by the Prime Minister walking in. <laughs> I just thought, what was the point in that? Tradition. I know oh but anyway um, and then the queen said it's wonderful to see you and in person this time because you can imagine them you know zoom in or whatever they're doing the prime minister said you were quite the hit and everyone was talking about you at dinner the the next night in uh, talking about the g7 when they had dinner in the evening so they met the queen um early evening and then late evening they had their meal Um, and obviously the queen wasn't part of that she had to go on the royal train overnight to get back to Windsor Castle in order to do Trooping trooping of the Colour the next day. She had such a busy weekend that weekend. Um, And then, (laughs) so after the PM had said, you know, everyone had been talking about you, she was, she said, oh Lord, were they really? (laughs) And then the PM said, they were, they were thrilled to see you. (laughs) It was just such a lovely exchange between the two of them. What did you think about this? Yeah, again, I thought it was a lovely moment because like you said, like, She holds weekly, we know, audiences with members of the Commonwealth. So Australia is obviously part of the Commonwealth. So I can imagine she has probably bi-weekly chats with the Australian Prime Minister. Um, So she's probably on quite friendly terms with him, isn't she? Yeah. But um, yeah, I just thought that was so funny. It's just like, even now, like over after 95 years, oh, were they really? Well, of course they were. You're the queen. <laughs> I know, I know. You're a talking point. I know. <laughs> oh, Lord. Were they really? I love it. I just loved it. Brilliant. Yeah. And I, I thought as well, when um, going back to the G7, I actually um, thought she's like a magnet. She pulls everybody in. Absolutely. And that's one of her strengths yeah. as the queen as the head of state is that she can captivate you and she's like that magnet that just draws you in so scott morrison who's the pm of australia as we've been just been saying um he actually met the queen back in 2019 with his wife jenny and um, he gave the queen a signed copy of the official biography of the champion racehorse winks which um i do you know what I, I think I might have said this on the podcast before. I've been to an exhibition at Buckingham Palace where it shows all of the country's gifts to the Queen. And some are like cows and um, drums and plates and you name it. I'm not I'm not kidding. Anything has been gifted to the Queen. And I actually think this was a very personal um gift to the queen uh, because it's an interesting story of winks not that i know anything about the racehorse but apparently it's very famous in australia and it was a signed copy and i think it was to make that can be used and utilized and i think he got a lot of stick for giving the the biography but i actually think it was a perfect gift for her yeah like you said like she gets receives so many gifts doesn't she what can she do with all of them at least something like this she can actually read it and if it interests her we know she loves horse racing so yeah like you said you can tell that they um have had conversations there was a little bit of banter it was very relaxed mm. very relaxed whereas with um meeting joe biden for the first time is very stately it was very um to the point he then had a march to um was it like inspect the the military there was like a, a part where he walked and 
um, had to inspect the Queen's Guard. Yeah, so um, the 1st Battalion Grenadier Guards, they gave a royal salute and they played the um, US anthem, the national anthem. Yeah. And I tell you what, I was singing along to the the, the uh, American national anthem. I think it's such a, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think it's such a beautiful national anthem. I mean, with my Welsh uh, national anthem I can't sing it because I don't speak Welsh I know it but I'm probably butchering the Welsh language um but I it tears me up like every single time so I don't even bother singing it because it's just it, it gets to my heartstrings um with the <laughs> English one obviously I'm I'm not English I'm Welsh but I'm still British so I I don't really connect to that as much but the next one for me is America. Every single time the American national anthem, I'm singing to the top of my lungs, like <laughs> Whitney Houston, eat your heart. Out. Like I'm just going for it. So yeah, I, I just think it's wonderful. I love the 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 way the the melody crescendos. I just, yeah, I think it's wonderful. A wonderful anthem. Okay, here we go, Rachel. It is Royal Ascot Week. It's Royal Ascot Week, everybody. Yay, we've got hats, fascinators, lovely outfits. Who cares about the horse racing? I just want to see the fashion. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So I'm going to just really, really be, I'm going to put my, my flag in the ground and say, I do not support horse racing at all. However, we are here as a Royal podcast and we will cover the royal um, bits and I'll be impartial as much as I can without being emotional about the animals. (laughs) So that's my stance on it. So what we need to know about Ascot is the Queen is patron of Ascot Racecourse. And it's always said to be the first engagement in the Queen's Diary every year. And she's attended almost every year. But we haven't seen her this year. We don't know why, but we haven't seen her. We have seen the Duke and Duchess of Cornwall. We've seen the Princess Royal. We've seen the Countess and Earl of Wessex. And we've also seen Mike and Zara Tyndall. Have I missed anybody out on the first day there, Rach? No, that was all of them. Fantastic. Now, something I need to say is, OMG, Camilla looked amazing. Oh my God, Camilla. I I just loved what she wore on that first day. I thought it was standout. Yeah. She, I, she sold the show for me that day. She really did. I actually loved what Zara wore. And I thought three months after having a child, so she gave birth to Lucas in March, she looked incredible. Um, and what I, <laughs> I don't know whether you did this, Rach, but I zoomed in on her badge and it says Miss, Mrs. Mike Tyndall on her badge, which I know is like an official way of saying her name if that makes sense but I was just like she was totally rocking it like because they had to have a badge on for the royal enclosure entry yeah I just want to go quickly back to uh, Camilla now on the first day she wore this um, outfit which was a mixture of like it was like blue blue greens whatever like the way you looked at it lovely blue hat pearl choker I absolutely loved and then Charles for me Charles was like one of the best dressed there yeah I I thought he was a dapper so they say yeah and from the cravat to the pocket square it was like a lilac-y color so it matched Camilla's outfit yeah and it just it just worked together like together as a couple they looked really really great um and yeah, I just thought the fashion from them two was stand out. Yeah, I, I you could totally see them being the next king and queen, can't you? Your queen consort. You could definitely see that. Yeah. And they also um, handed out a trophy 
to jockey Kevin Manning, and he won the St. James's Palace Stakes. And that's what's wonderful about Royal Ascot is the senior members of the family. You're not quite sure who's going to be there each year on what day they're going to be, but they will give out some of the trophies. So it's a nice surprise whether you actually get to see a royal as well as, well as winning a trophy. Yay! Double yeah. whammy! <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we Brilliant. also did see the Queen's horse win the Gold Cup once, didn't we, Rach? Yeah, um, Estimate. Estimate, yeah. So the Queen's horse, Estimate, won the Gold Cup at Royal Ascot in 2009 and she's wearing a wonderful really striking purple outfit and it always reminds me of it because you, you there's videos of her cheering along to the horse and just like in disbelief like I can't believe like we oh, won it was, it's epic it's brilliant and you've got all the when you watch this video there's like obviously other people in the royal enclosure and I think the man next to her must be her um like horse manager if that's even a word I don't know what I think it was the horse trainer wasn't it horse trainer yeah yeah and he's like getting really excited he's like go, jumping go, up go. and down he's like come on come on and then obviously the horse wins and everyone's like standing up and cheering and some this woman goes over to the queen and's like obviously saying like, oh well done or something because yeah her face is just and you can just tell it is her passion can't you yeah yeah Camilla this week was um, talking to Ollie Bell, who's a presenter of ITV Racing, and she was talking about the Queen's love of horses. And this is what she said. So I'm going to quote her now. Well, I think this is her passion in life and she loves it. And you can tell how much she loves it. She could tell you every horse she's bred and owned from the very beginning. She doesn't forget anything. I can hardly remember what I bred a year ago, but she's encyclopedic about her knowledge. And I just thought it was wonderful because horses are such a massive part of being a royal and this this occasion specifically is very synonymous with the royal family so for the second day we've got the countess and earl of wessex and we've also got prince charles and camilla princess anne was there as well like i say it is a bit of a pick and mix when it comes to the senior royals and whether they're going to be there every single day of royal ascot now, Rachel, you posted something on our Instagram at Keeping Up With The Windsor's Pod about Sophie at Ascot on day two. Was it because you liked what she was wearing? Yeah, like I thought it was quite striking. Um, she wore a feather hat by um, Jane Taylor Mil- Milnery. And I just really liked the whole outfit together. Um, are you going to tell me otherwise? Did you not like it? I, controversial, I have never liked what Sophie has worn in all of the years I've seen her from pictures I've seen by the way I might not I might have missed a few from all the outfits that Sophie has worn at Royal Ascot I haven't liked one of them I didn't I'm not I just I don't think I'm a massive fan of her style to be honest but you know everyone has different styles everyone has different ways of showing up and what actually is the most important thing is she looked confident and enjoyed what she was wearing so yeah we've got I think another two days of Royal Ascot now no so it ends on Saturday So we're recording this on Thursday, yeah. So I'm sure next week we'll have to finish up with a Royal Ascot talk because we've still got a few more days of outfits and possibly seeing the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge there because we haven't seen them yet, but then they might not go anyway. At the top of the show, I spoke about a trigger warning. So if you do not want to listen to the next section, fast forward to 44 minutes and 42 seconds. Um, and then to finish off, we're going to talk about 
the Countess of Wessex, Sophie, even though I just slagged off her uh, <laughs> style, I will never, ever slag off her engagements because honestly, this woman is incredible when it comes to highlighting the things that really matter. She was on the BBC Five Live um, radio show yesterday talking about rape and sexual violence as weapons of war in conflict around the world and the importance of raising awareness and supporting survivors. And this is because on Saturday, uh, the 19th of June, it will be the International Day for the Elimination of Sexual Violence in Conflict. Um, her interview was with Naga Munchetti, and she talks, she she did really have an honest chat here, didn't she, Rachel? There was lots of things that came up. Mm. Um, she spoke about the Duke of Edinburgh. She spoke about, obviously, the rape survivors and their experiences. She talks about her profile, how it's being elevated now, and also about motherhood and how she's been dealing with a pandemic. Mm. So what were your first thoughts about Sophie's engagement? I think great to see her talking about an issue which really should be spoken about more often um, and, and something that shouldn't be shied away from. Yeah, um, I think you said previously what's great about Sophie's work is she does take on those like grittier charities, doesn't she? And also taboo taboo charities and organisations. It needs to be spoken about. And especially with, with rape, the more it's not taboo, the more that people can get justice for what's happened to them. Yeah, I thought it was um, very moving and powerful, um, especially when she was talking about meeting one of the survivors. Yeah. And she said she'd said herself that she didn't realise she was a survivor when she was speaking to her. And I think, yeah, it's great that what Sophie's bringing to the forefront is topics like this. And it's kind of sad in a way that it's only now that her work's getting recognised and appreciated because she has worked in this field for quite a while. But because obviously of what's happened in the last year and her elevated position, it's only now getting the coverage that it deserves. Yeah. She was asked how she felt about this elevated profile. And she said, there is increased interest in us as a family, but if it raises more awareness of the issues I care about, then that can only be a good mm. thing. Yeah. The interviewer mentioned about the Fab Seven. <laughs> now, obviously, with the Queen needing more support through her grieving process with um, the passing of Duke of Edinburgh the Fab Seven have had to step up and take the forefront really haven't they and just hit the ground running and I think yeah. Edward and Sophie really have taken um, a step forward and the shows really so she said that um, in talking about the Duke of Edinburgh she said he's left a giant sized hole in our lives yeah. it's only when you would do normal things that you would have done with them and then you realize that they are not there then you start to have that oh my goodness moment and she actually started crying during this yeah she got a bit teary didn't she She did and she said just talking to you now it's all a bit of an oh my god moment and um you just feel for her because you just imagine what heartbreak that she's going through and having to you know still have interviewers ask her questions Mm. and still be reminded because grief so weird isn't it you could be completely fine and all of a sudden it just kind of knocks you sideways yeah and what I loved about it was when she was talking about the rape survivors it was really important that she mentioned that it was more on a political um, sphere that change is going to happen and luckily obviously with her standing within the monarchy she could possibly reach out and speak to certain members of um, 
organizations or politics that normal people wouldn't be able to have access to. So I think she's using her platform in a, in a perfect way. She said, every life is important. Every survivor is terribly important. And I, you know, she's mm. completely, absolutely right. Couple of things I want to say. I think she is, she's someone that I can relate to. I find her so human. It was so endearing for her to cry and not be embarrassed and just allow her emotions to be there. And then, cause even um, the interviewer said to her, are you okay to move on? She was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like it's going to come and go. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And I, again, I'm going to say another controversial thing. I don't feel that connection when I watch Catherine or Camilla and maybe that's just me, but I feel really connected to Sophie because there's, I don't know that I feel like there's a real sense of responsibility and matriarchy about her. And like I say, it's not that the others don't have that. It's just, Mm. I connect to her from that level and I can't wait to see more about um, Sophie. Yeah. I I think with that though, I think, you know, she is in a different position to Catherine and Camilla, whereas Catherine and Camilla, they are future queen consorts. Um, So that's maybe why you don't have that connection to them that you do to Sophie because they are, I hate to say it, but on an elevated position than what Sophie is. And so Sophie can get into the nitty gritty that maybe Catherine and Camilla can't because of their positions within the royal family and the institution. Yeah. And I think that's a very good point that I haven't actually considered. And I think that's very true. I think that is exactly how it feels to me. Um. I just want to do a little pointer before we finish, because the Queen gave the Royal Victorian order to some of the main people involved in the Duke of Edinburgh funeral and to his closest staff this week. Um, And it's basically knighthoods or medals that are given, but this is um, at the discretion of the sovereign. So whoever's a sovereign at the time can hand these out. It's for personal services rendered to the monarch. So I thought I just mentioned that this week because I think all of the people who were given awards um, really deserved those those awards and what a wonderful medal to have. Absolutely. So this week um, we asked you, the royal community, what your favourite engagements were from the week. And thank you all for your responses. Royal Diaries EU, 100% Royal Ascot, loved seeing all the amazing hats. Obviously, that's the highlight. <laughs> there were a lot of amazing yeah. hats. Duchess of Cambridge Kensington, G7. Mm. Had a lot of things going on with the G7 this week. Um, Ivana Stepinak, Troop in the Colour. Royal Mail said Ascot. And the Prince and He's Sus Chess said Royal Ascot, especially Charles and Camilla and the mask moment and the three ladies and the cake at the G7. So, yeah, thank you for all your comments. We really appreciate them. Michelle, who was your MVP of the week? My MVP of the week was Her Majesty. I thought she was absolutely amazing this week. I thought that she really came through, um, especially at such an emotional time for her. She's definitely my star of the week. Yeah, I totally agree. My MVP is the Queen. And um, what's your favourite engagement of the week? My favourite engagement was there was quite a few but the one that stands out I think the most is um the queen and the Australian prime minister because it was so you know you you could tell it was just two two people who have have already have a connection it just felt fun yeah so mine would have to be 
the um what did you call them the fab trio yeah 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 the fab three <laughs> yeah the fab three so the queen um camilla and catherine and but more in particular the queen cutting the cake with the sword and her quick wit response <laughs> <laughs> honestly gotta love oh, it. she's got such a sharp tongue yeah, gotta love it off the mark moment haven't you <laughs> yeah definitely thank you so much to the royal community for being a part of the royal community thank you so much for listening we um have some amazing people listening in france so thank you so much to everyone in france who are listening right now i've been trying my best to learn french so i'm going to try my best to say thanks in french but je prends le français un moment et tous nos auditeurs français et bienvenue sur le podcast merci beaucoup d'avoir écouté so I hope I've said that and you've understood it. If I haven't, just pretend because uh, je parle un peu en français. I am so learning French at a very small and sh- uh, <laughs> slow pace. But I just wanted to say thank you to all, uh, to everybody out there who listens. Without you, we're nothing, basically. We, you know, it's so amazing that you're all listening. You're all engaging with us. And it's a pleasure to have you as part of the Royal Community. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, hopefully you can come and join us over on Instagram at Keeping Up With The Windsor's Pod. Come back next week because we'll be chatting all about the big reveal from the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge on their socials this week, which is Big Change Starts Small. So we'll be talking all about that. So stay tuned. That's what we got coming up next week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week on Keeping, Keeping Up With The Windsor's. Windsor's.